Hi guys. Today I have my friend Bryce with me today. Um, I found Bryce. Um, he has his own website. It's really great. I had some spiritual questions. Uh, I can't even remember what they were at the time, um, but I just kind of searched on Google and see what popped up. And uh, his website popped up and I, I looked at it and I was like, man, this is an awesome website. This guy has uh, done his homework. He's really been thinking about um, these things I've been interested in. And also I saw that, um, you know, you could contact him and, uh, have video chats with him. So, so I did, did that and found him, uh, great. And so, um, Bryce, do you want to introduce yourself and, uh, tell us about who you are? Sure. Yeah. So I'm Bryce Haymond. Um, I, uh, grew up in Utah, uh, pretty close to Salt Lake city, little, little town called Sandy. This is kind of where I, I grew up. Um, I was uh, born into a Mormon family and grew up Mormon um, for, you know, for my uh, whole childhood. Um, that was my that was my upbringing, um, you know, as as many people in, in Utah are are Mormon uh, LDS, uh, as it's also called. Um, and so I, I, I had a pretty uh, normal uh, childhood, I think. Uh, I have uh, three brothers and, uh, uh, and my, two, my two parents, and we did some pretty average things, you know, as a family growing up, um, went on, you know, family vacations, and I went to school and, and did, uh, you know, your, your pretty typical typical things, um, uh, growing up, uh, I was very involved in the church, uh, as, as Mormonism is a, is a very, uh, very demanding religion. I mean, mm-hmm. you go to uh, church every Sunday, but then there's also like weekly activities as well that you're involved with. So I was doing all of that. And I was also in scouts, which w- at the time was quite uh, a part of the uh, the church uh, kind of integrated into the church and so I was doing scouts and scouting trips and um, well, what is, what is scouts sorry say, what, say again what is scouts exactly so scouts it's it's like the boy scouts um, where you can you can get different rankings um, at, all the way up to your Eagle Scout uh, mm-hmm. award, which is kind of considered one of the top uh, rankings in the mm-hmm. scouting program. But it's it's basically like uh, it's a program for for boys, uh, and there's also Girl Scouts. Um, right. But mm-hmm. uh, for us, it was it was just a way to get to know. Uh, the world and kind of get outdoors and do outdoor activities, mm-hmm. go on scouting trip trips and camping trips mm-hmm. with your troop. Um, and, you know, learn things like, you know, how to tie knots and how to, how to rough it outdoors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and do merit badges on different mm-hmm. topics and things like that. So I was really involved with that. Um, I, I was also, uh, uh, got involved in ballroom dance, interestingly, um, and did a lot of ballroom dance during my teenage years. I was on some ballroom dance teams um, and uh, 
when I got to college, I went to BYU in, in Provo, Utah, um, and was on the ballroom dance team there, um, which was actually a touring group. And, and so we got to, uh, every summer, we got to tour internationally in different countries all around the world. And so I've been to many different places, um, which I went, uh, went with the, the ballroom team. Um, what else? Uh, I went on a mission for the LDS Church. I was a missionary. Um, you know, when I was 19, 20 years old, I, I went to El Salvador on my mission. And so I, I learned Spanish and uh, was there for two years. And uh, for, for about half of my time there, I, I worked in the mission office as the financial secretary for the mission, which was an interesting experience, kind of seeing, you know, high level uh, uh, workings of, of how, how the mission operated. Um, what else? I uh, met my wife at BYU and uh, we got married in the Salt Lake Temple, um, which is where a lot of Mormons like to get married because it's kind of the, the premier, you know, place. It's the for, Mecca. It's the Mecca, the, yeah, the exactly. Holy Land. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like the original, uh, the 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 oldest uh, uh, Mormon temple, um, or at least one of the oldest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a, a couple others that are older, but they have different stories. Um, and so then, uh, you know, me and my wife, we started a family. Um, we have four children. Um, uh, I graduated from BYU and started uh, working professionally as an industrial designer. Got my degree in industrial design, and so started to uh, uh, work in that field, uh, designing, developing, manufacturing uh, technology accessory type products. Uh, worked for several different companies doing that kind of work, uh, and visited China several times to work with factories there to mm-hmm. uh, design uh, uh, and. and manufacturer uh, products. <clears throat> so that was, that was interesting. Uh, and kind of during all of this, I was kind of, you know, uh, exploring my faith a little bit more. And uh, uh, I got uh, really interested in the LDS temple um, early on, um, you know, back basically on my mission, which was kind of years 2000 to 2002, um, I, I, I got really interested in kind of the, the, the temple and, the, and what we did in the temple. And, and, and in Mormonism, the temple is kind of the most uh, esoteric type mm. of uh, religious rituals and ceremonies and kind of um, what we call ordinances, where uh, it's kind of like uh, uh, you could say uh, baptism is is a kind of ordinance. And so we do those kinds of rituals in, in the LDS temple. And I got really interested in, in these, uh, this kind of more esoteric religion. Um, and, uh, and so I started studying, you know, the, the history of, of the LDS temple, but also, you know, beyond uh, Mormonism into other uh, uh, religions and their, their sacred uh, rituals and mm. ceremonies and kind of initiation rites and things like this. Um, and so I, I began writing about uh, the LDS Temple. Uh, I started a website. It's actually still online. You can go and, and read what, what I was writing about uh, the, 
the temple uh, at templestudy.com um, and uh, was getting really interested in kind of the more scholarly um, investigation and research into uh, esoteric uh, religion. Um, and that kind of led me towards uh, mysticism, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot here. Um, I didn't know what that was kind of at the time. We, mm. we, we don't really talk a lot about mysticism, uh, in, in the LDS church. It's not, it's not a common word. Um, but that is kind of the direction that I was heading when I started learning more uh, about these kind of initiation rites and the ceremonies and the kind of the, the more mysterious parts of of religion and 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 my own faith. Um, do you uh, do you think that um, I'm just hearing? You know, you, you traveled so much for your job and for your mission, all that. Do you think that um, those travels and seeing different cultures and different people, different religions, do you think that kind of spurred it spurred you on led you to um kind of investigate these things and think about um religion and faith more broadly i think so yeah i think uh um i think you know the more you are exposed to different cultures and different people different ways of life different understandings different worldviews the more you consider your own worldview and your own culture and your own religion and and you start comparing and contrasting Mm. and and, uh, start wondering, you know, about your own particular point of view, your own, your own belief system. Mm. Um, And I certainly started doing some of that, you know, um, started doing, you know, a lot of comparing and contrasting at the time, you know, Back when I was when I was a, uh, an active member of the LDS Church, I believed as many Mormons do, which is that the church is the the correct church, the true church, the right, the 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 one and only true church of God, you know, mm-hmm. on the earth. As as probably many Christians believe that about kind of Christianity in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you say uh, the church, you mean like the Mormon Church. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a common belief um, among Mormons that that the LDS Church is kind of the one and only true right. church mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of God, uh, and and that's certainly what I was brought up to believe. You know, but as you're exposed, you know, to to these other cultures and these other religions and other ways of of belief, you start to question that a little bit. <laughs> you start to look at yourself in the mirror a little bit more closely and wonder, you know, is that true? Is that real? Like, is the way that I believe the the only real, you know, true way of, of looking at God? And so I started questioning, you know, those things. Um, and it, it started leading me into kind of a bit of a faith journey. I, I, mm-hmm. I had a, I had, I guess what you could call a faith crisis where I, I started not believing some of the things that I had been taught to believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, I started doubting what I had been taught when I, as a child and started, you know, looking a little bit more uh, broadly in terms of what might be true about, about God, about mm-hmm. spirituality. Um, and, uh, and so this, this uh, eventually it led me to uh, leave the LDS church um, in about 2015, 16 or so. Um, uh, I, I stepped away from the LDS church. I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't believe what it was teaching me anymore. Um, mm. but I had to, uh, expand my horizons a little bit more and, and, and do, do some searching, some soul, soul searching me and my wife actually. Mm. Um, and, uh, that was pretty hard. That's, that's, that was a really difficult thing to do. Cause I was, you know, born into, right. into Mormonism. It was my whole worldview, you know, it's was kind of framed around, uh, the the church and mormonism and christianity and so to leave that was just really crushing it was mm-hmm. it was just uh, it, well it it made me depressed for for a time you know mm-hmm. uh trying to just work out work through my mind you know what is true what is real what 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 is my life about you know mm-hmm. um and so I went on, you know, kind of a faith journey, trying to explore these questions and try to find some answers. Um, and that led me to to, to discover uh, some spiritual practices, uh, specifically meditation, um, which I I thought that that's really interesting. I hadn't really <clears throat> considered meditation as a genuine spiritual practice before then. It had always sounded kind of weird and out there and kind of, you know, what the other religions do. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I kind of stumbled upon it and started reading about it and kind of developed my own uh, meditation practice, which I started to do kind of on a daily basis, uh, trying to find something um, uh, that, that some sort of insight or some, something that I could uh, ho- hold on to some sort of new belief that I could, I could have regarding God and and my own self and and uh, all of this, and uh, uh, you know, after doing this meditation practice for several months, um, I, I did start having some insights and and uh, interesting experiences, um, which we'll probably go into uh, a little bit more. Um, I discovered that you know these are these are typically called mystical experiences mm-hmm. uh, in in spiritual practices like this, where where there's kind of a veil that's lifted and 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 you can see a deeper reality. Uh, mm-hmm. You can you can you, it's called insight in in many traditions or revelation uh is mm-hmm. might be what they would have called it in mormonism mm-hmm. um but uh it's 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 uh it's very eye opening these kinds of experiences uh mm-hmm. you you begin to experience god uh mm-hmm. within yourself 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is a really remarkable thing, um, right. especially when, you know, you come from a, a religious tradition where you do a lot of thinking about God, right? Mm-hmm. You, you read, you know, all the scriptures, you're doing lots of talking about God, you're thinking, you know, through all the doctrines and the stories and the, you know, it's very intellectual, uh, mm-hmm. all up here kind of in the mind, but there's not a lot of embodied experience of God. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked a little bit about that um, uh, in when I was, you know, in the church. We called them spiritual experiences, and they mm-hmm. were considered kind of rare, and it was more like just a kind of a burning in the bosom, like a a really good feeling inside, and and that's what they called you know having a spiritual experience. But hmm. when I was doing my meditation practice and and having these uh, these insights and these mystical experiences, they were they were much much more than just what what I had experienced before in in the, in the LDS Church. Um, so, so that's kind of, I guess, a background of, of where I've, I've came from and mm-hmm. kind of how I got into and interested in mysticism and, and kind of where my, my practice started mm-hmm. um, of, of meditation and, and where I began to have, start having some experiences, um, which kind of really opened up my eyes to, uh, well, the spirituality and and what 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 it is um, mm-hmm. fundamentally, I, I think uh, I think I, I had some good good uh, insights in into that and and so now I uh, have started another website thymindoman.com where I have written started writing a lot of of these insights and these ideas and that's where Kendall uh, stumbled upon. Uh, that site and and read some some of what I've written there. Yeah, no, that was that was great. Thanks for thanks for sharing your journey. Um, and yeah, I share a lot of the you know same same things I talked about on this podcast before, and I shared with you. Um, you know, I kind of had my own mystical experience with God, and uh, I also kind of went through. Uh, mine was kind of reversed, maybe a little bit, in that I experienced that, and then I started. Being like, well, what is real? What is faith? And all that stuff. And, um, you know, someone called that the dark night of the soul. Um, I think St. John of the Cross kind of coined that term, um, you know, because it is really hard once um, your perceptions and, and boxes of the world are shattered, then you're like, well, what is true? What is real? Um, and, and the bedrock of what you grew up with is just kind of broken. So you kind of have to like figure out what is what is the foundation. Um and, um, yeah. And, and so, so your, your website, thy mind, oh man, um, I really love because, um, you, uh, discovered, explored so many different peoples from so many different faith traditions or even non-faith traditions, um, or just, just individuals, poets that have had these, um, experiences and that really, um, got me thinking like, uh, you know, kind of when I had my experience um, talking to some charismatic Christians, they call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is like uh, in addition to water baptism and um, like the the disciples at Pentecost. 
Um, but, you know, it seems like lots of people besides Christians were having these types of experiences. So that made me think, you know, um, you know, if this is, is it just Christians who go to heaven, you know, um, maybe, maybe there is something like, you know, universalism or something like that. So, um, I guess that's that's definitely one of, that's one of the interesting things about mystical experiences is that they're not just exclusive to any particular religion, you know, Mm -hmm. anybody and everybody, uh, all around the world and throughout history, there's there have been many people that have had these kinds of experiences, these eye-opening, you know, experiences of something much greater than their self, whether they call that God or the divine or, you know, the Tao or the Buddha or the, you know, whatever it might be, um, whatever word they attach to it, it, mm-hmm. it. These experiences, people have been having them, you know, throughout history and all around the world and in different cultures and different religions. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it, you know, it might be helpful some to the audience to just give some names for what people call this and who who's had it. Um, so for, for me, what comes to mind, um, I think Hindus or Buddhists call it a uh, Kundalini awakening. Um, you know, there's lots of, uh, people are non dualism. Um, they call it oneness or non duality. Um, and then I know some psychologists have gone into it. William William James um, calls it. Um, uh, he has a book, Varieties of Religious Experiences. And then even Young got into it. He called it psychic change. Um, what uh, what are some that you've you've discovered? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, different <laughs> names for these kinds of experiences. You know, awakening. Um, conversion type experiences mm-hmm. like Paul on the road to Damascus, you know, when he saw a big, mm-hmm. a great light, those kinds of conversion experiences that, that could fit into that. Um, uh, there's just, there's a peak experiences. Um, sometimes they're called that or, you know, flights of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, or even, you know, if you get into, you know, um, Near-death experiences, I think, can fit in in mm-hmm. in there, as well as even even kind of really outlandish uh, uh, alien encounters uh, or UFO encounters. I think also fit into that category of, of of mystical experiences. They're obviously framed in a very different way, right? They're not necessarily religious or or spiritual. <clears throat> but I think they they might be another manifestation of of mystical experiences. Mm-hmm, right. Um, so, what um, what do you think uh, is at the core of these experiences? Like, what is the realization? What is um, yeah, yeah? That's a good question. Um, there's many different ways to approach these experiences, um, but. In my view, I think what's happening is that we we are changing uh, our consciousness. We're we're entering a, a different state of consciousness. Sometimes they're called altered states of consciousness. And so the way that our mind is functioning, the way that we're thinking changes. Like the way that um, the way that we're processing information changes and sometimes radically so so you know we could call kind of our ordinary everyday um 
experience of, of life, kind of the normal waking state um, where we're, you know, perceiving things in our environment through our senses and we're processing those things and we're having thoughts and we're processing those thoughts and we're organizing information. So that's kind of kind of the ordinary everyday state of, of consciousness. But what's interesting, and William James talks about this a lot, that there are other states of consciousness. And we shouldn't just reject them as, you know, abnormal or strange or, you know, pathological. Mm-hmm. They might also be interesting and insightful states of consciousness mm-hmm. that uh, that can be um, insightful and, and tell us more about ourselves and our the, this reality that we're living in um, and and so in the mystical experience um, it's a shift in our state of consciousness uh, and and kind of the best way that I like to describe it is is the thinking mind kind of shuts down um you know all the, all those thoughts that keep rolling around in the head in, mm-hmm. in a lot of spiritual practices there's a focus to uh kind of let go of those thoughts that are kind of rolling around in the mind just kind of witness them acknowledge them and then let them go and as you do that again and again and again you know, it take, usually takes a lot of time, but eventually those thoughts, they kind of slow down. Eventually, the, the thoughts stop coming up. They, they, they basically stop. And that's when it gets really interesting um, because most people are not familiar with kind of that kind of empty mind. We're usually so caught up in our thoughts and our perceptions of the world. Um, most people are not not familiar with kind of that empty, silent uh, state of mind. Um, but it is a very interesting state. And that, I think it's in that kind of silence and in that kind of empty mind that we begin to have some real deep insights into, into our, our nature and, and our spirit and, and even in, in the nature of reality itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it can kind of sound crazy <laughs> that that you would have those kinds of insights when there are no thoughts happening. Um, but a lot of a lot of like I said, the, a lot of contemplative spiritual practices um, they kind of have as a goal the quieting of the mind, mm-hmm. and when the mind reaches kind of a state of 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 silence or 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 peace or stillness that is what a lot of uh, traditions especially in, in christianity they call contemplation mm-hmm. um and it's in that contemplation that insight arises not necessarily as a thought mm-hmm. but more as a state of being almost um one begins to see the nature of consciousness itself um, and begins to identify with that and not all of the 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 stories that uh, go on when when there are thoughts in the mind 
You know, mm-hmm. there's there's the story of, you know, <clears throat> this is my life, this is my body, this is my these are my beliefs. There's also, you know, the story of the ego, you know, who we think we are, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a series of thoughts that that rolls through our mind that tells us who this self is, this ego. And so when those thoughts kind of subside and they stop, well, then who am I, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It begins to be very interesting uh, and insightful to, to experience that state of consciousness because those stories are, are not there. Those identities are not there. Those attachments, those, all, all those thoughts that, that, that uh, we think make up you know, who we are and, and what reality is all about, they're, they're just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so that then I think reveals a deeper layer of our being. Uh, we might call it you know our spiritual being or you know consciousness or you know I, I think you know some people even refer to it as God, as the divine, that deepest nature that we can find within ourselves, within within consciousness. Um, th- it, it 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 takes on the quality the qualities of of God, um, mm. and uh, it's really hard to talk about. <laughs> uh, you did a great job. <laughs> and mystical experiences are kind of known for this. They're mm-hmm. kind of ineffable, unspeakable, indescribable, because they transcend all those ideas and concepts and words. Mm-hmm. And so trying to put them into words is kind of this, it's, it's a process of interpretation and translation, trying mm-hmm. to fit uh, experience into ideas and, and symbols. And um, it, it, can be, it can be very difficult to try to describe these experiences. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, having these experiences help us realize that, um, you know, <laughs> words and concepts, uh, theology, um, religion, all this stuff is, uh, just, just their, their, their ideas or concepts trying to describe these experiences. And so it helps us be less dogmatic saying it has to be this way or this way. It's like, no, it, the experience is beyond all that. It, it's pointing to even greater truth. And all our words are just uh, symbols of that. And so we don't have to hold too tightly to the words themselves. Yeah. 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 One of the, one of the insights that, that a lot of people have is that, um, that there is truth in all the different, you know, religious traditions or spiritual traditions that they're all kind of, ways of interpreting or translating that deepest mystical experience of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all have different ways of doing that, you know, in their own language and culture and time and understanding. And, and there's many different ways of describing those experiences. And, and a lot of times those ways can even seem contradictory and conflict with one another. And, I think that is pointing to 
the the paradoxical nature of these mystical experiences um that because because they transcend the thinking mind the rational mind sometimes it's it's called the the transrational mm-hmm. um they they go into a deep space uh, that is uh that is very paradoxical um where two different seemingly different things can be true at the same time um and and what's strange is that in those experiences we can see the truth of both sides simultaneously um even though you know in our ordinary waking state of mind they seem logically incompatible you know right. contradictory <laughs> they they both can't be true mm-hmm. right um our our kind of binary thinking minds like to attach themselves to one idea or another if if they're if they seem contradictory we like mm-hmm. to attach ourselves onto one or the other right, right? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make sense to try to hold both of them if they're contradictory um and so this is i think where a lot of dogmatism um uh is is bred in, in a lot of religious traditions where there there might be ideas that seem contradictory between different uh, religious traditions and and the dogma says, you know, my way of thinking about it is the right way. It's right. The, it's the true right way. And the, these other folks, they're doing it wrong. They're they're interpreting mm-hmm. it wrong. They they've got it. You know, they've got it wrong. But in the mystical experience, it it it, it can be seen directly how they can both be true they can both be mm-hmm. right but right. there is truth in in both perspectives and in many different perspectives all at the same time <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's a remarkable thing yeah yeah i t- i totally agree i'm totally with you there and um i think that is true and i think that also there can be you know um as people we uh we're trying to interpret these experiences and I think that we can sometimes uh, put uh, um, meaning to it that may not be, well, I guess any meaning to it is going to be somewhat incorrect, somewhat because it, because it's beyond, you know, the, the thinking mind. And so I think some people would push back be like, well, um, you know, some people had these experiences and then they said, this is the truth about it. And then we can see the fruit of that. And it was very um, destructive. And so what do you think um, causes people to to interpret things that way? I guess I'm getting to the ego, basically. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right that, you know, any any interpretation of mystical experience is not ultimately not correct. It, it's mm-hmm. It's not the experience itself. You know, sometimes I say that, you know, the description of a tree is not the tree itself. It's that kind of difference, you know. Um, And so we kind of have to kind of hold on to these mystical experiences loosely uh, in in what we believe about them. 
Um, because any kind of belief or, or interpretation of the experience, it can become something that we latch onto and become dogmatic about and say, you know, this is the way things are. Um, and, and, uh, that can, it can become an egoic pursuit. It can become another story mm-hmm. in our thinking mind. Mm-hmm. It can be something that our ego attaches itself onto, and it almost becomes an identity, um, uh, an ideology. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's a funny thing, but the ego will even use spirituality and, and spiritual experiences and mystical experiences in order to uh, try to um, uh, aggrandize itself, protect itself, secure mm-hmm. itself, to, mm-hmm. trying to um, trying to establish itself. Um, we haven't really talked much about the ego. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned it, you know, before a little bit. It, when talking about um, meditation and, and kind of transcending the the thoughts of self, right? And that's really what I think ego is, is it's, it's a story in our mind of who we think we are, right? It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's often tied to a particular body, this body that we have here. Uh, we think we are this body, we are this person, uh, that is this age, this gender, this culture, uh, we have these beliefs, we have these relationships, all of this feeds into the identity structure of the ego. Um, and what can happen um, sometimes is when we have these mystical experiences, which is actually a shutting down of the ego, the ego mm. is transcended in, mm-hmm. in these experiences. Those, that thought story, that identity is kind of dissolves for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as we come out of the experience, the ego will come back online. The thoughts return and begin interpreting the experience. And the ego can interpret the experience in in um, not great ways uh, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Just because someone has a mystical experience doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to interpret or integrate that experience into their life in a healthy, uh, you know, positive way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... Uh, you know, depending on the constitution of the person and their life experiences, they might interpret the experience in very unwise or unskillful ways that can be harmful to their own life, to their family, to those around them, their environment, their their um, society even. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to be careful about, uh, you know, what we do with these mystical experiences, how we interpret them. It, it, it is a, uh, there's a whole, almost like a whole field of study regarding the interpretation of mystical experiences. What does it mean? Is it mm-hmm. actually revelatory of truth? You're like, mm-hmm. can we believe these mystical experiences, what people say about them, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and that is a really deep and complex conversation. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> is that a phenomenology? Is that the... It, yeah, I think it, it, that is part of, uh, of what goes into the interpretation of those types of experiences. You know, like right. what was actually experienced versus what you think you experienced, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, this, there's a bit of a disconnect there, you know, mm-hmm. between the actuality of the experience and, and what you, ex- what you, how you describe it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's different, different schools and, and camps, you know, that, that say, you know, um, that you can't actually describe your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there's just different schools right. and di- different ways of approaching the, the mystical experience and, and and what it actually is some something some people think that there there is no experience and it's and it's more of what the mind is is doing what the mind is trying to describe something um that that seems to be beyond it mm. and the experience is more of what the the mind is doing uh in interpreting um uh interpreting itself really right that's that's Um, kind of like um uh you know a materialistic mindset versus you know are are we spirit and then having a physical experience are we is everything just physical and then that's all there is to it and so our our brain is just having these chemical reactions and then we're saying it's beyond the brain yeah whatever yeah yeah there's there's kind of a spiritual way of uh approaching these types of experiences and a more kind of materialistic way of saying, well, yeah, it was just the brain gone haywire and the <laughs> neurons were, you know, firing strangely. And, um, it was all just, you know, neurochemical reactions gone, gone a little bit, you know, there was a psychotic break or something, you know, mm. and, and, uh, it was, it was pathological and, and meaningless basically mm-hmm. It's right. sometimes where a lot of kind of the materialist approach to these experiences goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a spiritual side, which is kind of the side that I prefer mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and embrace, which says, no, I think these, m- these mystical experiences are valuable. They are real. They, they are revelatory of, of deeper wisdom and even the nature of reality and, and, Kind of our deeper self, our our, our deepest identity, um, can be discovered in these in these mystical experiences, and they're not meaningless. They can be extremely meaningful and life changing. Right, right, yeah, that's great. I, I totally agree. I'm I'm on your side. <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little biased there. Um, <laughs> I want to go back to what you were saying earlier um, about kind of the uh the revelatory uh understanding of who we are as um god and obviously a lot of people are don't like that statement and uh so i think it'd be helpful to kind of flesh that out like are we all of god or you know if we're god how, how why do we fall so short <laughs> you know so yeah. often yeah that is one of the most interesting things about mystical experiences is that they often reveal your deepest nature your deepest identity, 
which many mystics say is identical to God. It is the divine. It is that highest power or deepest nature. Um, and uh, a lot of mystics are not shy about saying that. Um, and and it's, some, it's, it's hard to describe... Um, of course, a lot of people think that it's very, it's a very, a very egoic statement, right? right. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a very inflated ego that thinks that they're God, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but I think what the mystics are discovering is that the deepest nature of everyone, of each and every person, being, or thing, is God. It's not just them alone. Mm-hmm. It's not this inflated ego that says, oh, look at me, look at who I am. It is the deepest nature of all things and all beings and all humans is God. And that, I think, is is a very different way of looking at it. And, of course, that also sounds quite radical to many people, mm-hmm. um, um, especially, you know, theists that that see God as this great other uh, so the supreme being out there somewhere, the creator, right? Right. Um, that that's a really radical idea to think that God is actually not some great other separate mm-hmm. from us, but rather is our own deepest nature. Uh, when we get down to the very fundamental uh, being that we are, that and everything is, it is all. God, it all arises from that deepest source, that ultimate reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we we all have these bodies that that seem to be, you know, separate from each other. And one way that I like to think about that is that all of these forms that we have, these bodies, these things, these objects, they're all manifestations of God. They're all mm. incarnations of that deepest being, that deepest source, that ultimate reality. They're all coming into being um, as as kind of the waves are formations of the ocean. I, I really like that analogy of, mm. of the ocean and its waves because I think right. it really it helps to describe, you know, our individual bodies are like individual waves of the ocean. Um Obviously, the ocean is is very large, and and you could consider it kind of infinite, an infinite plane, right? Mm-hmm. But it it forms itself into particular embodiments, particular forms or shapes. Um, and in a similar way, I think God is becoming each and every one of us and everything in existence in the entire universe. It's all the embodiment of God. Yeah. And and that's that's a radical thing to to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's quite beautiful. Um but obviously, you know, the the next question is well, you know, if we're all God, you know, what happens we <laughs> sometimes we don't act like it. <laughs> it's true. Uh I think what happens is that we fall into and I put fall with a capital F because I think that's that is what is symbolized in the in the story of the fall in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. We fall into these ego identities. 
these stories, the, 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 the thoughts of the mind begin to attach themselves onto um, particular things um, and begin to define themselves by those things, those stories, those thoughts in the mind, um, the attachment to our particular body. Mm-hmm. And and when that happens, when we fall in, when 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 we this self identity develops, um, it can go off the rails in different ways. Um, that identity wants to protect itself from from you know death, from disillusion, from from harm. It wants to mm-hmm. secure itself. It wants to build up itself into something bigger. Um, and, and when it does that, it can act in ways that are not in harmony with our deepest nature of, of the divine of, of being God. Um, and, and that is also what I call the veil. Um, the ego is that veil that kind of obscures or hides our deepest divine nature um, and and causes us to do all manner of things that are not helpful or or even harmful to ourself and other people around us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think psychology does a good job of of um of kind of uh, explaining that and, and describing that. And um, I think it's, it's helpful to, you know, like, like young is called parts work, you know, to discern different parts of us and, and what they want and what they're saying and be like, well, sometimes, you know, I act within my true nature as God. And then sometimes I really don't. And so uh, the more you can uh, be in the moment and recognize these things, then, then you can, stop them or, or, you know, talk back or be like, Hey, you know what? Um, even not that like the ego is necessarily like evil. It's like, it's trying to protect us, but it's doing it in a healthy, unhealthy way. So we can be like, I thank you for, for trying to help me, but this is not helpful. Um, let's think about how to act in a better yeah. way or th- think or feel in, in better ways. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, that's one of the benefits of contemplative practices like meditation, mm-hmm. sometimes called right. mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You become very aware of your own ego and your own inclinations and, and proclivities and um, faults. You, you begin to witness them as thoughts and ideas and, and um, desires as they come up in your mind you you become very aware of your own self your your and and all different qualities of yourself both you kind of the ego self and then also that deeper god self you you see both of them you mm-hmm. become very aware uh and are able to discern um when your ego is is acting in different ways because you've spent you spent a lot of time kind of training your your awareness and consciousness to become aware of uh, those thoughts and ideas that are, are defining your yourself in the world. Um, and you begin to be able to, um, you know, better control the way that you are behaving when you're aware of how you are behaving, right? A lot of 
a lot of people just behave the way that they feel without a lot of awareness, without self-awareness, without a lot of mindfulness. And, and, and that is, um, some spiritual teachers call it, you know, unconsciousness, mm-hmm. um, the, the way that we can behave when we're not deeply aware and mindful of, of our own um, inclinations, our own thoughts, our own behaviors. And so that's one of the, that's one of the I think, benefits of, of a contemplative practice like meditation. Uh, you become very aware of, of your ego. Um, and, and then when you can let that go, when you can let it subside, then, then the deeper, the deeper wisdom uh, arises. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. That's uh, great stuff. So, um, you know, now that uh, you you've had these experiences and these realizations, what do you uh, do? You identify with religion, or what do you call yourself now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if I were going to um, try to put a label. On me, I would say I'm I'm kind of a universalist mystic, mm-hmm. um, where I I can kind of see the truth in all the different religious and spiritual traditions, but I don't attach myself necessarily to any particular one. I I might pref- have preferences of of one or another tradition or ideas from different traditions, um, but I don't identify myself with any particular one of them. Um, obviously, I have a background in Mormonism and Christianity, and so I like to frame a lot of my um, thoughts about mysticism using the symbols and the concepts mm-hmm. of Christianity, because that's what I'm most familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also recognize that they're not necessarily the only way of, of interpreting uh, or conceptualizing these spiritual ideas, and so I... I I use ideas from you know lots of different um, cultures and traditions to try to help um, you know point to those those deepest insights that we can have. Um, so yeah, universalist mystic might be one way that I I would kind of describe mm-hmm. where I'm at right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, that I mean that, that that's great, but it's also hard because you know most people they identify themselves with a group, um, with a particular tradition, and that's how they form community. And so, have you yeah. been able to find some community um, since that point? Yeah, I, there there are actually several uh, communities uh, out there that are more universalist in nature. Uh, uh, where they they are much more open to seeing many different perspectives kind of at once, uh, uh, or you know, thinking about many different ways. Uh, one is the Unitarian Universalists, which is pr- perhaps one of the biggest ones. There are others, and so we have uh, occasionally uh, congregated with that community, um, and they're they're wonderful. They're they're very open and and loving and. Um, very willing to um, consider many different perspectives and ideas and different ways of 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 life, um, 
different ways of considering God. Even even atheists can be, you know, members of of mm-hmm. a Unitarian Universalist congregation. They're they're also accepted and included because that that is a legitimate way of of living life and and so that that is a, is also included and so you know unitarian universalism is not the only one there are there are some other ones that i've i've heard of um out there but it's it's one of the ones that that we have found some community with um they're not really huge um in in many many areas they're usually more smaller congregations here and there um but but you can find them uh, and uh and the ones that we we have congregated with they've always been really great uh great people right yeah that's good um i was just thinking you know some people uh you know when you say the these communities um can consider many different perspectives they would still be like well what is the bedrock and uh, of truth of of what guides y'all and um i guess for me i would my answer would be you know hopefully um it would be that trying to um spur on that these experiences with god and um i would say love god you know that that relationship you know it's that relationship is, is love and um having that with yourself and then uh the outflow of that onto others and seeing everyone as one, as parts of God, as parts of ourselves. Um, it, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I would agree that uh, ultimately we're, we're trying to get to that, that deepest insight of, of oneness, which I think is also called love. Mm-hmm. Um, because that then leads to, a very fulfilling life in 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 relationship to all other beings, you know, animals and humans and and nature and and what we're doing here uh, on Earth. Um, I think I think ultimately, if if we want to know kind of the the truth, if we want to know who we really are, I think it's those mystical experiences that that can reveal that to us. Um, and, and once we know that, once we have seen that, that oneness, that love, then it almost becomes an outflow of our, of our own nature, our own behavior mm-hmm. in the world becomes a manifestation of that oneness, of that love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we naturally become very loving, you know, friendly uh, peaceful people um, when we've seen our deepest nature as as God as the one as love then we begin to manifest that in in our life mm-hmm. um, and I think we can see this in you know many many people from many different traditions who right. seem to have had these very deep experiences mm-hmm. <clears throat> they almost universally tend to be, very calm, peaceful, loving, happy people. Um, right. And I think th- those are, you, you know, in Christianity, we might say that those are the fruits of the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it becomes the natural way of, of, of living life once we know our deepest self. You know, it's that, 
it's that that, that uh, saying that you know know yourself know thyself is mm-hmm. is the deepest wisdom and i think it's that is that is true <clears throat> yeah i i just want to say that i think that um you know so, some some people might never have uh a profound deep awakening spiritual experience and i think that's okay and i i think you know every moment we can have a little piece of that and many people just go through life and you know they they already have this kind of realization uh they don't need a a big experience um and and they can live this out you know and so it doesn't have to be like an exclusive like have you had this experience or have you not and if you haven't you're not uh right. <laughs> enlightened or something like that you know um yeah. in a way almost i'm like for me i'm like i was uh so unhealthy that i needed a huge experience to like get me <laughs> there you know <laughs> yeah yeah for some of us we really need that kind of experience to kind of knock us out of our our habitual ways and really wake us up mm-hmm. um and that's how it's sometimes you know termed as, is waking up it's mm-hmm. awakening it's it's coming back to life it's a resurrection it's right. it's uh it, it's you know changing it's it, changing our life it's changing our identity and you know for some people they really need that they need that you know radical shift uh in their life um, um sometimes you might even call it you know a midlife crisis type of mm-hmm. a thing mm-hmm. uh, but other people they really don't they they're happy you know doing what they're doing and uh living life you know, without these kinds of deep mystical experiences, you know, as long as they're living life in a loving, compassionate way, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They're, they're, they're already, you know, mm-hmm. living out their deepest nature. Right. Um, perhaps, you know, unknowingly, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, Obviously, it's been a, um, a a huge journey for you, and, and very life changing and, and perspective shifting. Um, you know, and I've gone through kind of the same experience. But I can't imagine, you know, what what is that like having a family, having you know, being married and having kids? How how did they um, interact with you on this journey? Did they take the same journey or did they push back against that? How did, how, what were those dynamics like? Yeah, well, it's, it's been very different, uh, you know, considering like my, my siblings and parents and kind of extended family, they're all very much still Mormon uh, mm-hmm. in, in the LDS church. And so they, um, I haven't had many discussions with them about <laughs> mysticism because mm-hmm. uh, I I think they believe very differently than than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, fortunately, me and my wife, we both left the church kind of together, and we were mm-hmm. both kind of on that soul searching path together. I don't think my wife has had the kind of experiences that I have had, but she's very open and accepting and loving of my path and my journey and where I've, I've been and, and, and how 
I see things now, and I'm very fortunate that she is that way, because I know, you know, in many relationships, um, faith issues can become, you know, a point mm-hmm. of struggle and contention in a mm-hmm. relationship. Um, but we've been very open with allowing each other kind of to go on our own journeys, our faith journeys, and and kind of end up where where we currently are. Um, as far as my children go, they, they, they know that I've had these kinds of experiences and I've written a lot about mysticism. I don't think they're quite interested in it yet. Mm-hmm. I've, right. I've attempted a few times to talk <laughs> with them about it and they're just like, just way <laughs> over my head, dad. Like, um, but you know, maybe one day they'll, they'll sit down and read some of the things I've written uh, mm-hmm. or ask me questions. And I'm, I'm more than, you know, willing to talk about um, these things with them, you know, I think early on in life, we're, we're not really concerned about a lot of these deeper questions. Right, they right. only seem to kind of mm. become a thing later on, you know, in our twenties and thirties, we start mm. really questioning, you know, what am I doing you know, in my <laughs> life? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, and then the questions about God and our, our true self and, and stuff like that, they, they begin to come up and we begin to ask the questions. And so mm-hmm. we really, me and my wife, really, we really just try to teach our kids how to love um, mm-hmm. very simply, just in, our, in all our interactions with each other and with other people. We try to teach love as, as much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we think that's a, that's a good kind of foundation for them to, to, at least start out their life uh, on that kind of a path. Yeah, I, that that's so powerful and and great that that your wife um, can give you that space and and uh, appreciation for your journey, even if hers, um, you know, her experiences have not been quite the same. And uh, I think likewise, it's it's really great that you have that that grace and understanding about your children, and and just you know, it is a natural development of of a human, you know, uh, and like yeah. you said these questions usually come up later in life. Um, the the ego, that, that kind of self identity, you know, it develops, it takes time and many years throughout, you know, childhood and adolescence and, and, uh, you know, your teenager years, it doesn't become kind of fully developed, I think, until perhaps your late teens or Mm -hmm. early twenties is really when kind of the ego has really started to solidify into this Mm -hmm. thing, this identity, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when it can start going off the rails and we right. start to question it, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think Ram Dass said, um, you have to become somebody before you can forget some who you, you know, like you lose that identity that maybe is not serving yeah. you anymore that, you know, you are more than that. But but you do have to, it's important for children to develop an identity, um, Yeah. You know, yeah. So Richard Rohr says the same type of thing. He says, you know, you've got to you've got to have a container for mm-hmm. your life first before you can empty it. Right. You know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 That that's great. Um, is there uh, anything else you'd like to share? <laughs> I think. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about the different, uh, if, if anyone is interested in, in, you know, learning more about kind of these perspectives, you're, 
you're welcome to my website, thymindoman.com, where I've written a lot about these different things from different perspectives, different traditions, different re- religions. Um, there's also many uh, accounts of mystical experiences on there that you can read about. Uh, and of course, you can always you can reach out to me if you'd like to talk with me uh, more, uh, either you know through email or uh, one-on-one video chat. I'm 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 open and, and willing to to have some some chats. Yeah, so. that's great. I'll make sure I uh, link that in the show description. Um, awesome. Yeah, this is a uh, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate <laughs> your your wisdom, your friendship, and. Uh, just helping me articulate these things and, and flesh them out. Um, really great at that. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank thank you for inviting me here, Kendall. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to love to have you back on. I know that you're really into AI stuff, and uh, we could we could talk about that as well as anything else. So that would be fun. Yeah. Oh, okay. We should do it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. I'll see y'all guys later. Mm-hmm.